This episode of The Great Equalizer is proudly brought to you by Supreme Fertility, a pharmacological support system for any parents or parents-to-be looking to up their reproductive health ahead of the TTC game. The Supreme Wellness Fertility Pack, which consists of a 5-in-1 multivitamin, essential antioxidant support, and a top-of-the-range folate supplement, has been specially designed to give both men and women everything they need for optimum reproductive health. This 3-in-1 power pack is available online at supremefertility.co.za or from your nearest pharmacy. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Jersey. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Charlene's no longer a danger to society. Mm, Jury's out on that one. (laughs) Sam is getting older. And we're talking books, books, books with Raising Readers founder Marion Bailey. Hello. Hello. You <laughs> aren't a danger to society this week. Why? <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on how passionate I am about <laughs> things from one day to the next. Eh? No, it's it's not that. Um, we had a call from school last week, uh, Thursday, that everybody must drop everything and fetch their children immediately um, because there was a COVID case at school. And um, it was very well handled, I think. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that the kid pitched up to school with a temperature or something like that. It's just that the kid, kid had been at school and then later in the week, stayed away from school because they were feeling ill and then ended up testing positive for COVID. So as a precautionary matter, they were just like, we're clo- they literally found out and within an hour they had closed the school and all the kids were evacuated and um, they brought in like a sanitizing team, deep cleaning and cleaned out the entire school and uh, proceeded to remain closed for the, the weekend and then um, uh, obviously had an inspection and advised in, in the new week that the school was open. So I had to, I couldn't take my kids to swimming I because mm. my kids didn't have any symptoms, but the kid that went to school didn't have any symptoms either. We obviously didn't know which class the kid was in, whether my kids were even in contact with the child. And chances are that nobody was even exposed because the school's protocols are so well managed. Um and there were no additional cases in subsequent days, but we had to just do the responsible thing and isolate because we don't know that we we don't have it, you know. So we duly did that and uh, happy to report that everyone's fine and we are not um, in danger of making anybody in society sick mm-hmm. for the time being. For now, yeah, until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, this third wave, you never know. <laughs> well, well done to the school for quick action and for having those stringent protocols in place. Um, mm. And kudos to all the teachers navigating this space. You guys are doing an excellent job, I think. Let me just... Yeah, I mean... Well then, teachers, exactly. principals, putting 
Yeah, putting themselves at risk. Mm. To imagine you have to go to your job and you deal with masses of people every day. It's crazy. Mm. Mm. Listen, we're mm. all getting older. I, I didn't miss your birthday. It's in January. What's happening? You did not miss my birthday, but my darling four-year-old shame. He, I joke about it, because, but he is such a sensey and I don't know what got into him, but I was alone. Of course, he'll attack me like this with emotions when I'm alone trying to get him ready for school on Monday morning. It's a, we, we're recording now on Friday. So it was a Monday morning. Ray's not there. It's very early. And he turns to me and says, Mom, you're, you're getting older. You look like you're getting older. You're getting older. I said, yeah. And he said, and one day you'll die. I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Not any day soon, my love, but I'm getting older and we all die when we get older. And I don't know how to explain it to you, but you know your child. It could, could easily be dismissed and you could, um, you know, carry on with your day. But I looked at his face and I saw the emotions behind it. And I shouldn't have asked, but I did. And I was like, are you, are you sad about that, love? Why? And he just then, his, his little face gets red and then his tears well up and he just... He just said, Mommy, I'm going to miss you. And he just burst into tears. I'm going to miss you. Like, this is, this sucks. What? Like, why do we die? And why do you get taken from me? And I just kept reassuring him, it doesn't matter in what form you are. I'll always be with you. But he just, that, I mean, you're getting old. You're going to die. I'm not happy with this situation. And I asked him if he had a dream, a bad dream or anything. And he just said, no, mommy, I was just, it's just a scary thought, right? I was like, oh. yeah, it's, that's why people don't talk about it all the, the time. Because you know? it's it is sad scary. and scary, yes. Um, and it just so happens that um, I did something which leans very heavily into what we'll be chatting about today. I let the feeling simmer. I left him. I didn't bring it up again that afternoon because I, I got the feeling he was feeling a bit raw about it. And the next day he came to me in the morning and Noah was sleeping and he said to me, you know, I said, do, do you want me to read you a book? And he's like, yeah, that'll be nice. And he came and curled up next to me and I got a book by Nancy Tillman. I quoted this book when he turned one or two, one of uh, one of his birthdays, one of his really early birthdays, I quoted this book. And this is a really famous uh, or favorite children's book author of mine. She does a bunch of hard cover books and they just, it is a little bit abstract. And it's just the beautiful images that go with the book. And it's, it's poetry. If you read it, you will, you get emotional at every one. Her, she's most famous for her book called On the Night You Were Born. Mm-hmm. My favorite is this, wherever you are, my love will find you. And it's, I'm not going to read the whole book, but it starts out saying, I wanted you more than you will ever know. So I sent love to follow you wherever you go. And then it speaks about what love is. Love is high as you wish, quick as an elf. You'll never outgrow it. It stretches itself. And then it's just this love letter to your child. Climb any mountain, climb up to the sky. My love will find you. My love can fly. And then just encouraging your child to carry on with his or her life, no matter what, because your love is there and, and you are there. Um, 
So just lift up your face, feel the wind in your hair. That's me, my sweet baby. My love is right there. And it carries on. Charlene, I cry. I sob every time I read this. And I'm just like, I've got to hide my tears from my child. So um, it carries on. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, they all say. My love is so high, so deep, so wide. It's always right there, even when you're asleep. So hold your head high and don't be afraid to march to the front of your own parade. And then this was, this is what gets me at the end. If you're still my small babe or you're all the way grown, my promise to you is you're never alone. You are my angel, my darling, my star, and my love will find you wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you doing I'm to me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was such a – I think I'll remember that parenting moment for me and Elijah – forever um yeah and that specialness of that book i i kudos to me i'm gonna just give myself props for waiting a day so that he wasn't so raw and he was feeling a lot better but i think it landed and he said mommy why are you reading this to me and i i said i just wanted you to know that no matter if i'm with you in person if you're still small or if you're fully grown if i'm there or if i'm not there my love is there with you and I will always be with you. And I gave him a big hug and a love and we got ready for school and that was that. Um, Ugh, <laughs> I'm, so I'm falling sorry. apart over here. <laughs> Nancy Tillman, guys, you Ooh. any moms, if you want to feel all the feels, these board books are it for me. And funny because we are talking about books today. And we're talking if about can, if, if Charlene can pull herself towards herself, <laughs> yes, maybe. So um, yeah, let's let's get into that. Let's let let's have Charlene uh, recover for a second. Charlene, I'm going to give you a break, but books, books, books is where it's at today, guys. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So every year we do a books episode because I have a love affair with children's books. I love picture books. I have started my own collection of picture books because Elijah's no longer interested in what I'm interested in. And I was just like, I don't, I don't need a kid as an excuse to, to buy these picture books. So my collection is vast. Elijah's not always interested in, in what I have collected, but it is a passion of mine and we like to showcase new books Every year. In the past, typically we have done, we have showcased self published authors, local authors who are putting out beautiful children's books. But this year, we received a phenomenal amount of amazing new books from some local publishers Penguin Random House, Jonathan Ball Publishers, and Pan Macmillan Kids. Thank you so much. We've received um, the most amazing titles. The only thing is, Charlene, I was a bit stuck as to how to bring uh, bring this showcase this to parents in a way that was meaningful. My aim was to um, inform parents of things to look out for with regards to these books, things to pay attention to, and to unpack. I wanted to unpack these books in the context of how they might benefit 
the, our children firstly, but also how they might instill a love for reading in our children, which is why we yeah, have titled yeah. this Raising Readers. Well, I mean, Sam, sorry, I'm still so tearful, <laughs> but <laughs> if I sound a bit funny, I blame Sam. <laughs> um, you're quite right because, I mean, anybody who's listened to the show before or any of our other books episodes, um, I am not the most avid reader, not because I dislike reading. I'm just not very good at it. And I mean, our kids mimic what they see. So if my children don't see me reading often or don't see me interact with books in a optimistic, uh, fun-loving or enthusiastic way, how are they supposed to develop a love for books. I mean, they're going to have to read at school. But for me, reading at school, it was labored. It was um, it was work. We had to read because you get your prescribed, uh, what is it, prescribed Yeah, and your books, prescribed what do you call texts, them? yeah. Yes, your prescribed texts. And that's what reading was for me. And I don't want that for them. I want them to read because on the odd occasion that I have gotten stuck into a book, you just immerse yourself in that story and it's it's a really nice experience. So, yeah, I mean, I'm at a bit of a loss on how to give them that love for books or entice them to want to read. Well, luckily we called in an expert because I think that a lot of the hindrance when it comes to loving books and loving to read is when you get started in learning how to read. And that is why we brought in today's guests. Our guest today is a remedial therapist with a special interest in early reading development. Marion Bailey is passionate about helping children to read, no matter the obstacle, and has a particular soft spot for new foundation phase learners who are struggling to read. With this in mind, this mom of two founded her own business, Raising Readers, in 2009 to guide struggling foundation phase readers, and she's here to guide us in our quest to raise our own little readers. Welcome, Marion. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Marion, this it has been a long time coming. You've been on the TGE radar for a number of years, and I'm so glad to be able to pick your brain. Before I do that, I want us all to get to know you a little bit better, uh, in particular, your role as mom. So on that note, who calls you mom? I have a son and a daughter. My boy Luke is 15. He's almost 16 in August, so he's in grade 10. And my daughter Emma is about to turn 13 next month. So I essentially have two teenagers in my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. How's and that you're working still alive. Oh, you're you're okay. still alive, so this gives me hope. <laughs> you don't look too washed out and tired and broken. You seem perfectly well turned out. <laughs> Marion, we are here to talk all things books and how uh, the books that we have access to today can aid in helping to raise uh, readers from, from an early phase, from as early as before they, they learn all the right sounds, where our kids are right now. And then going into the the early reader and preteen phase, I'm curious because we are in different phases of parenthood right now. What is a favorite book in your household at the moment? Okay, so we are reading all different books in our household. Um, my daughter Emma, who's the one who's almost thirteen, she really enjoys sort of drama books. She's She was reading something called My Sister Lives on the Mantelpiece by Annabelle Pitchley. She likes the, not not the girly girl, but quite serious kind of genre. 
my son, um, grade 10, so he's in the middle of reading a set book. He's reading Cry Freedom by Donald Woods, which is the autobiography of Steve Beaker. Mm. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, actually. And um, he, he, funnily enough, they read and then they watch the movie a bit, then they read and watch the movie, which does help them understand the, the very deep um, information that they have to take in. I'm reading a story called The Tall Bones by Anna Bailey. I quite like uh, drama, but also with a bit of... little mystery um, in it. Mystery. And then my husband, he just reads anything fishing. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much fishing literature is there? <laughs> well, he, again, I was, you know, he reads his magazines, his articles that come through, watches YouTube videos. That's what he considers his reading material. Okay, all right. And I mean, I suppose in the in this day and age, anything that you we're reading all the time, we're on social media all the time, we are ingesting that information. So yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get stuck in into how we navigate that as parents. Charlene, what's a favorite book in your household at the moment? Well, our listeners will know I'm not a bloody reader. <laughs> so I'm, I feel like I'm a bit of an imposter in this episode. Every year when we talk about books, I feel like a total like fake sellout. I feel like I'm just like putting on a show, but we are reading to the kids. So if I'm not reading articles online or on, on social media, then um, we're reading to the children. So um, my husband enjoys reading to my eldest uh, Willard Price books, which is um, actually very old. Those books are very old, but he read them as a little boy. And so he, he's reading those to Josh at night. Some of them are quite um, scary because I, I think, I believe, as he says, the one book is uh, what the movie The Ghost in the Darkness was based on. So it talks about these human eating lions, these like giant lions that only hunted humans. And um, so that's a bit scary for a five-year-old for light reading before bed, but Josh really enjoys it. And um, if he's not reading, if his dad's not reading Willard Price to him, then we're uh, thick into the Julia Donaldson books, like What the Ladybird Heard, um, Sharing a Shell, uh, The Singing Mermaid. Jessie loves The Singing Mermaid. She got that for her first birthday and it's still one of her favorite books. You still on the right track. <laughs> you're a bit of an imposter, but you're right there. And it's very that your son and your husband have that connection with those books that he enjoyed as a child. Yes. It's a very bond that, that's priceless, that. You can't yeah. find that. Here is where I struggle, is that I, I have an unhealthy obsession with picture books, and I would love for my four-year-old Elijah to like the same stuff I do, but he doesn't. He's very into something that he can't get enough of right now is an, an Asborn book. It's a lift the flap book, a very informative one, and like very dense. Each flap has facts about space. The book is called Look Inside Space. And there are over 700 flaps or something like that with uh, different facts about about the universe and the Milky Way and stuff. And I just want to read a story and I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> I have to do that. And I can't read it from beginning to end because it takes a long time. So we have to like choose two different pages to get stuck into. So I leave the grandparents and the dad to do that for the most part, unless he nabs me. Other than that, I have also hidden BJ Novak's uh, the, the, the book with no pictures 
because that was a every day, twice a day read at one point, and I was I was so sick of saying boo boo butt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book, but I actually want to get that book for my kids. I think they'll love it. You were saying, Marion. I was just going to say that um, two things there. The nonfiction, um, some children are really attracted to that kind of genre. So he's fascinated with the facts of space and all that kind of thing. It's something to really encourage um, because there's so much information there that he is taking in Mm. and it's of interest to him. And that is the absolute key to it. Like you're saying, it's not your interest, but it's his interest. Mm. And that's what you want because that's the hook for him. And then that repeating and stories over and over again, that's typical of about your four to five, Mm -hmm. three to five years. They just want the same thing. Same thing, yes. You know how they crave routine, you know, like if you change out their yogurt for a different flavor and there's like, oh. They lose their shit, yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of the same thing with that. Um, it's it's the comfort of the routine. They know what's going to happen. <gasps> they can't wait for the lion to jump out at the mm. snake, whatever the case may be. It's the predictability that is the comfort. They can't wait very- for you to talk in your robot monkey voice, exactly. even exactly. though you're not a robot monkey. Yo, I hate mm-hmm. that book so much right now. <laughs> I was just going to say, Sam, I noticed when Josh turned, when he st- when he was about around the four-year mark, he really lost interest in those beautiful story picture books. And I was just getting into it because it's, it's such a labor of love for me to read to the kids. So uh, just because I- I've never enjoyed reading, but I mean, it's it's an easy thing to read a, a quick, short picture book, I suppose, which is why I enjoy it as well. Lying down. Yes, or sitting somewhere and reading a novel, blank, like page with a sea of words after the next, after the next. Even though the story is interesting, I get so sleepy. I can't read a lot. So I've been getting into reading the books just as Josh was turning four. And then he was like, no, I want these like facts and, and interesting things about dinosaurs and how my body works and how to save the planet. And, 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 and I mean, they're interesting facts, but then also my general knowledge is not so broad. So Josh will ask me a question and he'll be like, let me Google Why that, does that work like that. And I'm like, well, I have to ask Siri or dad. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay that they know you human. Hey, Charlene. Right. For sure. For sure. <laughs> So, Marion, we have been kindly sent a whole bunch of books from publishers across South Africa. So, big thanks to Pan Macmillan Kids, to Jonathan Ball, and, of course, to Penguin Random House. We've got a, a ton of books that I'd like to discuss with you and look at all the different categories and how that helps to, to instill that love of reading and helps to develop early readers. But first... I want you to chat to us about your career as a remedial therapist and and how reading raising readers your business came to be because you guys are well in in our sphere as moms you're quite prominent you're up on the the Instagram um momming sphere you are uh, present in schools and sort of across Joburg so let's get into you know what services you offer and what your core beliefs are when it comes to raising a reader Okay, so I've always been in education. I didn't start out as a remedial therapist. I actually studied 
um, English and psychology, and I went on to do my preschool teaching diploma. So I started off as the nursery school teacher, and uh, I did that for a couple of years. I went overseas and taught for a little bit, and then when I returned, I did my studies further in educational psychology, and that is what equips you to practice as a remedial therapist or what sometimes called a learning support specialist. I consulted at a few schools. And then when I was pregnant with Emma, which is now more than 13 years ago, I decided I wanted a little bit more of a flexible career so that I could spend time with my young children. And Raising Readers took root. And it has really grown and developed over these 13 years. And I have found my niche now in working between the ages of three and nine. So I offer a number of services within that age group, both for parents, teachers, and children. I offer the online reading lessons. I work specifically with children who have reading difficulties, auditory processing, dyslexia, autism, ADD, those kinds of things. Anything that is not allowing the child to develop with their reading. Kind of hindering them from from really hindering taking their readiness, yeah. And learning to read is a very interesting animal because, and dyslexia itself, because children can be absolutely fine going along at school, reaching their milestones in their hit grade one. And all of a sudden, the introduction of the sounds and the phonics, and now they're starting to battle. And it's a little bit confusing. Why? You know, there's no prior history. So we have to dig deep and we have to look and see what it is. So there's a lot of signs for reading difficulties. And I really encourage parents that if something is not quite right, not to wait, but to get help early, Mm. because children do not grow into reading. Okay, Mm. It's not going to develop later when they're a bit older. Don't worry, it's going to come. It's not. Be like me and just move further away from wanting to read, yes. Okay, it's not going to come. All right, it has to be taught explicitly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I do. And my lessons are offered online. And it's mainly from the pandemic that I've moved online, but I will continue online. It's such a wonderful option for parents. Mm -hmm. I have students from the Cape, from Durban, from Pretoria, from Johannesburg, and I'm based in Joburg. Mm -hmm. So you've actually got somebody online who can help you. Has it always been like that or did this come as a result of the, the pandemic? Result of the pandemic. I love that. So now you, your, your services have spread and, and your reach is going sort of to the rest of South Africa and abroad. And Marianne, right. just to clarify, so you do have those one-on-one sessions. You also have a ton of resources on your website that yeah. people can, can buy from you. And you do group um, seminars and demonstrations, which I'm sure has slowed down, but that is an option if you are a group of moms or a school perhaps – looking to guide teachers and to guide kids in that way. That's it. And I do those online at now as well. Uh, If that's an option that parents want, um, I can demonstrate everything online. It's that's, that's the value of it. Um, Yeah. And I have literacy products, which is in line with the way I teach reading. So it's a great asset or sort of a add on to have at home while your child is in the reading phase, mm. especially if you're a homeschooling parents, or even if you're a parent that's children go to school and you need help with this, how the alphabetic principle works, or, you know, I'm trying to help him with his sounds. I don't know really what to do. Then a good option is to get hold of me. So we have, um, as I mentioned, just 
an amazing uh, array of new books for children that have come out, ranging from board books, going all the way to sort of your preteen, just under, I would say, the the young adult novels. And I really want to get into it, get into these books and and also guide parents in what to look out for. If you are a parent like Charlene, perhaps, who it does the, the love of reading doesn't come naturally. And Charlene, you know that there's no judges <laughs> with regard to this. You have a love for plenty of other stuff that I'm just like, I don't I don't get that. So this is a <laughs> this is a passion True. of a personal passion of my own. But I I do want to share with our listeners and you how we can guide our children in in starting to to really grasp. And you know, they don't have to uh, be keen readers when they get older, but I suppose we need to instill that ability and that love from the, the beginning, you know, in, in as best as way as we can. We don't want to kind of neglect that development. So let's start uh, from the very beginning, as we love to do, Charlene. Let's start at the <laughs> very beginning uh, with board books, which, so board books I don't mind so much. The Lift the Flap books gra- uh, grate me because that's when the, the toddlers are kind of taking those flaps and you got, you do everything you can not to get them to pull the damn flaps off. Oh gosh. And then they just <laughs> destroy the book and then the guilt just hits me. I'm like, oh my God, we're supposed to teach them a respect for books. And we rather they're just tearing this flap off. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in terms of board books, Marion, what are we looking for in a good one? Because yes, from, I would assume, and this is what I've done is from birth, I've been re- I've been reading to my babies, and then up until about eighteen months, Elijah was still reading board books, and sometimes he still enjoys them. So, what are we looking for in a good one? Are there any bad ones? Well, the essential thing in any book, um, but board books especially, is to look for good illustrations and a well-written book. So, um, board books are fantastic for the littlies because they're sturdy, and they can be chewed, and they can be ripped, and they can be you know, put on the, the table where you're feeding and all that. The thing is that you want to develop a relationship with books in the early phases. And to develop a relationship, you have to spend time doing it as with all relationships. And so getting them to hold the book and lift the flap and page through it builds that um, multi-sensory experience with books. They're not only listening to you, they're also seeing the pictures and then they're touching and playing and lifting. And when they're old enough, they're turning the page themselves. That's it. Um, you know, toddlers are robust. They, they, they pull things. That's, it's okay. You know, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. It's just if the <laughs> flap comes ripping off, you just say, well, how are we going to see what's under if we don't have a flap? Um, but yeah, the most important thing is a well-written book. And language is very important because that's, you're the channel. That's what's coming out through reading to your child. There's two components. There's the emotional component and the cognitive component. So reading to them builds their language, their vocabulary, and the emotional component is what what is actually in the story. It's helping them deal with big emotions. So we we received from Jonathan Ball Publishers two, I would call them sort of teachable moment board books. And we all know these. Uh, You know, you get the potty training books, like if you're ready to potty train or I, when Elijah got his big boy bed, it was an Elmo book, you know, Elmo – uh, goes to what Elmo gets a big bed, something like that. Um, and it's 
it's all sort of you're reading through experience and you see, okay, Elmo went through this or this character in this book went through that and this is what you'll be doing soon. So we kindly received these books. It's, it's when mummy goes to work and when daddy goes to work. And it's a kind of a, it looks to be a reassuring book of, all right, this is what's going to happen. It's not always nice. It's a little bit hard sometimes, but at the end of the day, you're going to have fun. Mom and dad are going to always come back. And um, at the end of the day, we still love you and we will have that routine, but this is how things are going to change maybe. Maybe the, the kid is starting crash and the mom and dad need to explain where they are going. So they're two separate ones and I, I suppose it depends if you're a mom staying at home and daddy's going and the kid's having a meltdown or if you're a new working mom and you're dropping your kid off at creche uh, or leaving a stay-at-home dad at home even, then you would get whichever one you would think is right for your kids. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add about those teachable moments. A, a favourite book of mine is A Kissing Hand for Chester Raccoon. I don't know if you – do you know that book, Marion? I don't know that one. So in short – Chester needs to go to school and his mom tries to find a way of, you know, there's always a connection between us. So she gives him a kiss on the hand and she says, now you've got a special kissing hand. And whenever you miss me, just put your hand to your cheek and you can feel my special kiss. And that's oh, sort that's of going to make me cry. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> and that's sort of a tool to give your child when you are apart, because I think a lot of parents do have to leave their kids with a caregiver or leave them at creche when you are experiencing that um, separation anxiety. Yeah, those teachable moments are so valuable through books. Because remember, when you're reading a book, it's in a very calm, safe environment. Children feel relaxed. So their emotion, their emotional tank is quite full when you're reading to them. And so then when you start reading about these tricky subjects that bring up big emotions, a young child doesn't have the language to express it. You know, they might throw a tantrum or just cry or bite at preschool because they've got all these pent up emotions that they don't know the vocabulary to speak like an adult would. Mm. And that's where books help them process the emotion, learn that it happens to everybody. It's not just me in this world that mommy's going to work with or daddy. Mm. All my friends, most of my friends, this will be happening. Yeah, And like, for example, that little kiss on the hand, that's a strategy that then you, they could do, you, you know, you could do with your child or your little one could think of a new strategy. Maybe it's a little, I don't know, a hug or whatever it is. He can always touch his hand and think of mum or give himself a hug. But that is what these books do. They I suppose it makes it relatable for the kids and they can identify, oh, okay, I feel like that sometimes and it's going to be okay. It normalizes mm. what happens and it's okay to feel sad because you're very, you love your mommy. It's okay. But granny's going to have fun with you and then you'll see mommy again. Mm. And the more you read it to them, the more it becomes internalized and becomes more natural to them. Even as young as say, you know, eight, nine months to a year, is it fruitless to be reading to our babies? Definitely not. So it's not fruitless at all. Our babies can't speak, but through reading to them, they are developing the language, their receptive language, okay? And then all of a sudden, at 18 months, they start speaking. Where has that come from? It's come from all the receptive language that they have received through conversation, through the ooing and eyeing, and also through books. 
So it's important to read to your baby. So, Marion, those teachable moments kind of, they are continued as we head into the dreaded lift the flap books and, <laughs> and picture books, my personal love. They create teachable moments too and they promote emotional development, but they also offer a source of entertainment. And I find, okay, I, I, I love the emotional development books and the teachable moment books. And, of course, Elijah loves all of the fart and poo books which there are a lot of. <laughs> so I have to kind of navigate that landscape. One night mommy chooses, one night Elijah chooses. <laughs> what are we going to read? What are some of your all-time favorite picture books? Well, I, like I say, mine are teenagers now, but when mine were little, Julia Donaldson books, The Graffalo, Monkey Puzzle, The Room on a Broom, were the most amazing books. Anything with rhyme is essential. She also, um, I know you've got one of her books right there, haven't you, yes, Sam? She, she um, collaborates with Lydia Monks, mm-hmm. who also writes her own books, but is also an illustrator. Fabulous books. And then another real favorite of mine was Jez Albero, um, Duck in the Truck, Some Dogs Do. I don't know those books. I need to, I need to Google that immediately. Charlene, you you did mention the Julia Donaldson books. Yes, and you introduced me to Julia Donaldson actually, and you and I've always heard her name being mentioned in the circles and when moms talk about books and whatever. And I didn't actually own a Julia Donaldson book for my children until Jessie got gifted one by our good friend Danica for her first birthday, for mm. Jessie's first birthday. And I remember Sam telling me that she loves Julia Donaldson books just because of the way she writes. It's got such a rhythm rhyme about the way she writes and can I tell you those are my favorite books at the moment I I read it to them and I almost sing the rhymes as I read because it is so rhythmical it's absolutely beautiful and I'm a fan of her books I I get what the hype is about (laughs) Pan McMillan kindly sent us um you mentioned Lydia Monks and and, uh, Charlene Jess loves the What the Ladybird Heard series. So Yes, and I don't have this one yet, so wow. I am getting it. I'm ah, getting it. What the Ladybird <laughs> Heard at the Seaside. I read it to Elijah the other day, and, I mean, there's two, the, the villains, Hefty Hugh and Lanky Len, come back each time. So you have What the Ladybird Heard, uh, What the Ladybird Heard Next. Heard Next. What the Ladybird yes. Heard on Holiday, and now What the Ladybird Heard at the Seaside, and Elijah is full of like all things sneaky and disguises and they yes so um anything that that relates to tricking people you know um he he's very into at the moment and he laughed out loud at this book highly recommended Charlene it's coming your way Oh, okay. good. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I have to just tell you a little just anecdote about the, the Ladybird series. There's in one of them, they talk about a, a big fat hen. And uh, Joshua corrects me every time I, I say it. He says, no, mom, it's a rotund hen. Say rotund. Because <laughs> we've because you're not <laughs> saying fat is rude or calling someone fat is rude. So, no, 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 mommy. It's rotund. <laughs> So the one thing that I really love about Julia Donaldson is, like I say, the cadence of of the way she writes. And I think that kids really are drawn to that. That's what I find with mine. And we we also listen, we read the books a lot and we also listen to the books. 
um, in the car because a lot of the the Julia Donaldson books and the, especially the ones that you that she writes with Axel Scheffler, and that's the Gruffalo and um, the Gruffalo's Child and Monkey Puzzle. Those are all those that the those are all the product of that partnership. And Highway Rat it was a favorite at one point. Oh, right, Elijah yes. was just learning to talk, and he would repeat my name after every sentence. And I would so I would get him started, and he had memorized the Highway Rat. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "So if you know the words, go. The Highway Rat was a baddie. The Highway Rat was a beast. He took what he wanted and ate what he took. His life was one long feast." So I have a video of Elijah going. I say, Elijah, the highway rat was a baddie. The highway rat was a, a beast, but he goes, beats. Um, and then he goes, he took what he wanted and then it was one long feast, mummy. It's the oh, sweetest video, sweet. but you can hear the cadence. Super the cadence. Yeah, Superwomen's another one. So I think that's why, I mean, she's almost like the role doll of our generation and if you haven't ventured into to Julia Donaldson's books, I mean, she's just a legend in her own right. And if you go yeah, in... If you're like me, who was totally clueless and like lived under a rock somewhere and has never heard of a Julia Donaldson book, then go get it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have seen, Marion, that we are looking for diversity in picture books, especially after Black Lives Matter came to the fore in South Africa last year. We actually chatted with Rafil Wemohloli earlier this year um, when her book, How Many Ways Can You Say Goodbye, came out. In that, her book, We Are One, is incredible, the, the book by Pan Macmillan. Are there any other books that you know of that, that deal with diversity that show? Because you get a lot of animal books. But when it, when, it can, when it comes to uh, books with people in it, we're only now starting to really go, we have to include, if they're going to be children in the books, you've got to be representative, right? Absolutely. Children need to see themselves in a book, you know, and also they need to see the diversity because that's how South Africa is. So Rafilo is lovely. I, all her books are fabulous. I mean, the illustrations are just mm. so sweet. Um, so those are really good ones to get. She's she's written. Is this her third one, or has she written more I, than that? She's written several books. It might even be her her fourth book, and and she's done so many partnerships with different NGOs. So she's doing phenomenal work out there. Yeah, um, I've got. Yeah, I mean, people can get hold of me if they want for diversity books or books that are you know more written, also in different languages and so on, because um, it is important, and that is. What has been lacking with literature for our young kids in South Africa. So I'm really glad that we have the likes of these books. That's a good point, Marion, is that you offer services. Do you only offer them in English? What happens? Can you still help children who are learning to read in a different language? I only, my instruction is in English. I'm teaching a child who's learning to read in English. But should there be a second language learner, so if their first language is not English, um, then I can help them become fluent in English uh, with the way I teach. But now I don't teach in other languages. So to highlight some other books that, that we received, some new books, if you are looking, there are a plethora of, of animal books if you are looking for, for something along those lines. Yeah, we are concerned about representation, but I think all kids can relate to different animals, right, Charlene? 
100%. It's actually funny because just last night, Jess was asking me or we were lying in bed and she was talking. There was one of the characters in the book had darker skin than, than another, uh, than the one next to her. And she was saying, why is her skin so dark? And I said, because remember, we all look different. So like in the animal kingdom is how I always try and explain it to the kids is that there are different kinds of animals, but we all live together on one planet and everybody has their space. Like our neighbors um, are Indian and they have a different different color skin to, to you and me. It, we all have our place to fit in. We live together in this one nation. So as much as the animal kingdom, there's diversity in the animal kingdom, the same, the same goes for the human race. That's a very good way to explain it because children connect a lot when they're very young with animals and mm. That really helps them visualize and understand the differences because it's around them all the time. And it's important, again, through books, helping children to understand big topics. Mm. Yes, yes. You get to grade 10 like my son and they start learning the historical aspect of our country. They can come to that with a very wide, diverse, broad understanding of the, the place we live. So in two books sent to us by, by Penguin Random House, one is by Lisa Katzenberger called It Will Be Okay and it's about a, a giraffe that sort of doesn't want to come down from the tree and it's all it, it's a story of empathy, kindness and friendship and it, it kind of, you know, especially coming out of 2020, we had a lot of let's move away from toxic positivity, like get over yourself, get down from the tree giraffe, you need to move on with your life. At the end of the day, the zebra friend sat there and said, you know what, in your own time, you feel your feels, you do what you need to do. And I love that it's teaching kids that. Uh, also, Samantha Van Rett is a lo- another local author and she wrote The Great Adventure. Here is one that Elijah was drawn to. He quite liked it. I, so to give you guys an idea, squirrel, otter and mongoose complain that they never go anywhere. And also I think it is a, a bit of a growth mindset type of book. Mm. where, okay, squirrel, otters and mongooses stay in the same place, right, all the time and birds are the ones that migrate and they were looking at their bird friends and going, but you migrate once a year and you travel and you see all these amazing things. Well, we're going to do it. And their bird friends laughed at them and you know what? They got into a boat and they went on a grand adventure. And they did it anyway. They did it anyway. And they came home and also realised that home is just as much of an adventure. It's a really sweet story, again, by Samantha Funnerette. And um, yeah, I think here yeah, these animal books, I see a lot of sort of co- collaboration between different species, which I suppose is, is really setting a nice example in um, an imaginary world for our kids to follow when it comes to how to relate to different people going out into the world. It teaches them a lot about friendship and how to be a kind friend, empathy which is is something that's very valuable. These lessons that can't necessarily be taught, but can be encouraged through reading. It's, it's, it's a wonderful way to help children understand all these things. You know, that, Marion, is something that's probably for me very relatable at the moment because um, I my boy is a very emotional kid. He feels on such a deep level. Sam and I often talk about this. And he will come home yesterday, for example, from school and said that my friends hurt my feelings. And I said to him, what happened? And he said, I made a special gun for my one friend, obviously out of cardboard or something. And he looked at it, he gave it one look and he said, 
that it's not nice. He doesn't like it. And it's then in those moments when I try and choose these types of books that teach you about kindness and empathy, empathy, empathy before we go to bed at night, you just leave him with that thought, you know, to remind him that it doesn't matter what others do. Um, and great on you for acknowledging that that hurt your feelings, but empathy and kindness is king, you know, and that it's so hard. And that's a hard thing for me as a parent to endure, because how do you, what I want to say is that little shit, I will <laughs> phone his mother and I will, no, 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 but I can't. And then I have to find a book to tell the story because if I say what I want to say, it's going to come out all wrong. Yeah, that's so right, Charlene. I, but, you know, he's, he will grow into those abilities to, to use that empathy in the in a way that's going to serve a lot of people. So children with deep empathy often struggle in the early years mm. because they have a slightly higher EQ than other children. And then it's, it's remember I was talking about those big emotions. They, yes. can't, they can't quite figure out what to do with it. Why didn't you like that gun I made you? Mm-hmm. Um, but reading the books will really help him. And also acknowledging that he is able to say how he feels. He's also learning that. Yes. Because you are reading books to him and also modeling good, good communication skills. But yeah. that's a huge plus, even though it's hard. It's a huge yeah. plus. Well, this is <laughs> what I hard. love about picture books. And we have so many that I want to share with our listeners. So, guys, I'm going to put you in touch with um, all of the latest books that our publishers, our local publishers have to offer. And uh, just keep an eye on uh, thegreatequalizer.co.za as well as our socials because we will be sharing them under the hashtag TGEKidPicks. There are so many and and I want to share with you in detail. You, I mean, they're picture books and this is an, an audible medium. So I want to show you these beautiful illustrations and give you guys a glimpse of what goes into each book. So please just, if you're not following The Great Equalizer on social media, please hit us up, go, come say hi and, and stay tuned because we've got so many great books that we are, are wanting to share with you. Marion, I want to move on. And this is, I feel like this is your forte. You've got so many interesting points that, that you can make about early readers. When your kids are starting to read, yeah, we, I mean, kids can learn to read from probably from as early as four or five. Most of our kids start learning the sounds from grade naught. Josh and Elijah will be heading into that realm soon. Um, so the early readers back in the day, the English tribe, you and I, Marion, had Mark and Kathy or the little red lorry goes down the hill. At least there's some new stuff out now, right? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting, uh, much more, well, better written, you know, not so boring early readers. But we just have to clarify, Sam, that what what the point of a reader is. Okay, so it's not a picture book and it's not a chapter book. It's there in the middle when your child is now what we call an emerging reader. Mm -hmm. So they are emerging out of the cocoon of not being able to read to learning to read. Learning to read takes the whole of foundation phase, grade naught, grade one, grade two, grade three. We don't just learn to read overnight. It's a journey and it's a process. So we do have beautiful early readers. But if you're going to buy the early readers for your child, I want you to still, as the 
parents, help them with that reading. Don't expect them to independently read the reader on their own, because often what happens in early readers, there are going to be words in there that are have, diff, have phonic patterns, a combination of letters that make a sound that your child hasn't learned yet. Mm. So that might only learn in grade two, but now you're giving it to them in grade one. So what happens is instead of focusing on the word, they start guessing and looking at pictures And that is, in fact, not the way that children learn to read. That is what we call poor reading skills. And children need to look at the word and what the letters are so they decode it. The alphabet is a code that children need to crack to Mm. become a reader. Mm. When you're learning a a different language, I would think that – so we, when we were in high school or primary school even, a lot of – a lot of – my peers, we would we would have cracked English reading, and then when we were learning another language, we would learn the uh, Afrikaans words or any of our second language words. If some of us were in Sepedi uh, class or Zulu class, we would learn those words off by heart. I would assume that when you're learning a second language, the same applies. Let's crack the code here. I suppose. Well, are we talking about the same thing? I suppose learning to learning a new language versus learning to read is are sort of two separate things. They're two separate things, but you, you're on the right track there, Sam. Learning to read is often mis, misinterpreted. So we often think that learning to read is a visual skill. It's actually an auditory skill. There are components of reading where you do have to obviously learn what the letter looks like. But it's actually the sounds that are important. Mm. So think of it like this. It goes from speech to print and not print to speech. So what we don't want to do is give a child the letter T, the card with the letter T on a flashcard, and say, this is a T, and it says T. We actually want to do it in the reverse. We want to play with the sound T. Timmy Turtle tells tales. Okay, alliteration, rhyming, all the rhyming books, playing with the sounds first. Then when they when they hear t, how it forms in their mouth, the sound it makes, the words that start with t, then we show them a picture of the t. Ah. And we say this is how you represent it when you write it or when you ah. read it, you look at that. What sound does it make? T. Oh, yeah, t. And then what's happened is you've built a sound awareness. And that is the most important. That's one of my core beliefs of reading. Play with sounds in the early years Mm. and you will build up the best foundation for phonics. Mm. So if we start to do that with our boys now, if we're in the car and I say, Elijah, can you think of words that start with the same letter as um, car? And then, and I mean, he might come up with words that that start with a K or with a C, but he's learning the the phonics of it, the phonetic sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would that That's be something right. that we could help help them de- develop just in in play and in chatting with them from day to day? Absolutely, definitely. I do what they call a phonological starter kit, a phonological awareness starter kit, and it's a whole booklet on activities that you do. So think about playing with sounds you do you can do with your eyes shut. There is no representation visually in front of the child. Mm. 
so they could close their eyes and they could do the activity. So if I said to you, I'm thinking of a word, bat, b-at, bat. Now change the b to a k. What's your new word? K-at, cat. Okay. I feel like we learned this um, opposite. I feel like we learned it separately. I have a vivid memory in grade one of learning about the kicking car or the king car. And then we had to, so we it learned was about visually, the It was very visually when, when I started learning to read. And I, I always wondered why now for my kids, they're doing ah for apple and they, 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 uh, teaching them the sounds rather than showing them a picture of the, the thing. And I was like, okay, I won't interfere. That's how they teach it at school. That's how I'll teach it at home. But that's not how I was taught. Yeah, so it's called the Structured Literacy Approach. And it's a systematic, explicit instruction of those sounds. So remember, in English, there's 26 letters and 44 sounds. And approximately 250 spelling ways with those sounds. Good heavens. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to systematically teach the child each part and build and build and build and build until they've got the whole principle there, the whole alphabetic principle. If we just let them guess at words and look at the context, they never develop it structurally and there will be gaps later on. A lot of spelling Mm -hmm. gaps or they just can't access multisyllable words. So then when you Mm. get your beautiful chapter books and now the word is complain, if they haven't learned how to read a multisyllable word based on its chunks and what's in the chunk, its little units of sound, they can't read it. They'll just guess at it. And Mm. that leads Mm. to, oh, this is like no fun. It's difficult. So avoidance behavior. Forget reading. I'm not going to do that. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. (laughs) So we mentioned Mark and Kathy and the Little Red Lorry. Charlene, you've spoken on the show before about your early readers, Mim and uh, <laughs> Mim and Quiz, <laughs> Fang a Bobby Yarn or Quiz. something like that. <laughs> Let's talk about the new stuff we got gifted from Penguin Random House. Z, Z is for Zach stories, which I'm, I, I'm thinking Elijah would love these when he starts getting into reading by someone named, an author named Yaku Jacobs, who seems to be quite the name when it comes to early readers. Marion, am I right? Yes, um, both in English and Afrikaans, which is mm. quite exciting. Yeah, but like- And he seems to be moving up into sort of chapter books as well. So we've got the early readers. I've got um, quite accessible and really nice, colourful ones. And then um, Pan Macmillan Kids also sent through through a few that they look, yeah, they are chapter books. So they get they they get a little bit more, um, they have a little bit more content. So he seems to have traveled with his readers from the early development stage and then now into, and you can definitely see there's a, there's a book, pink book called Minky in the Middle, which is for your girly girls. So the beauty of these um, early readers leading up into chapter books is that they still got a little bit of picture there for interest and not so much content So the early readers, you want less content. So you want it interspersed with pictures because it's quite daunting to have a whole page of text that they have to read. And then you build them up slowly. But I just want to encourage parents not to rush into the early readers and the chapter books because you might feel pressured because peer groups are reading 
other other harder books than your child. Mm. Don't move away from the picture books too early. Children mustn't be rushed into it. If they are still in the early phases of learning to read, don't expect them to be what we call independent. An independent reader is essentially a fluent reader. And they have the skills to decode anything that's put in front of them. And that's when they really start enjoying chapter books and these fabulous other titles that you've got here, Real Pigeons and so on. That's when they start really enjoying those ones, when they have a good handle on reading. So let's get into those. Real Pigeons Fight Crime, I actually started reading this to Elijah uh, last night. And he's four, but he was able to – it's almost mixing graphic novels – it's, it's very graphic novel-like. It's almost mixing that with actual text. There are, there are big chunks, of, not big chunks of text, but a few paragraphs. So you are developing. It's not like you're, you're just guiding your children in pictures. You know, it's not your typical graphic novel, but it mixes that. I think I find it very entertaining. Real Pigeons Fight Crime had him laughing. He was like, I told you guys about Elijah loving sort of the, the trickster way of life and being sneaky and that and disguises. And real pigeons uh, do exactly that. Each pigeon has a secret power. <laughs> and he, I mean, this isn't for his age group, but mom's sitting reading it with him. He did thoroughly enjoy it. That's right. Because so there's a difference between your reading age and your listening age. Your reading age is just that, the age you are at and are able to read. So six-year-old, we're still at the very, very beginning of emerging readers. And they can read your simple CVC words, cat, dog, book, box. But even at four, Elijah can listen to a story with real pigeons, enjoy the humor and learn what it is to be a fluent reader. That's going to come, but you're starting to build the base of it. You laugh, he laughs, you stop at the stops. He he realizes that that's all part of it. And that Mm. is what we are teaching when we read our children, when we read to our children. Okay, and the illustrations, they just love. So it's not so daunting as this thick novel. It's fun and engaging. And fingers crossed when he gets past the, the early reader level, then he'll fondly remember Real Pigeons. And this is like the start of a series, and perhaps he'll get into the series. Other titles um, that, that remind me of this is The Kids Are Loving Captain Underpants, which is also a show. So then I think you're just sort of crossing mediums and – they you you hitting that um, fan culture, you know, of, okay, I love Captain Underpants. I read the books and I watch the series and I'm heavy into it. And all, I asked Ray, my husband, who's not a reader, what would have made him read Real Pigeons Fight Crime or Captain Underpants? And he said, if his friends at school were into it, he would have been. So, and that's what got him into the only books he's ever read is Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Mm. And that's because everybody around him was into it and he could talk to his mates about it. So I'm guessing that's what makes these books really popular. Among boys especially, I don't want to discount girls and I don't want to genderize uh, literature because I don't think it's as simple as that. But in my experience, girls or, or in my experience, which is very limited. <laughs> so Marion, I'm going to ask you, are girls, it seems to be that girls are more into um, reading and would, would latch on to, to books and where, where boys don't, I, I don't know, am I, am I making an, a terrible on. assumption here? Mm. It's quite difficult to comment on it, but there does seem 
to be evidence that, you know, uh, girls' language develops a little bit quicker than boys and so on. And Mm. boys are a little bit, uh, I don't really like to say immature, but you know what I mean? There's a slightly different, there's slightly lag behind for the boys. Um, But at the same time, we want girls to be reading the vampire books and the real pigeons and the Captain Underpants and the boys also reading whatever resonates with them. Whatever strikes their fancy. That is key is finding something that interests them. Like, for example, Real Pigeons, there's a whole series on it. What a win. Same with Captain Underpants. Same with the... And Dogman is another Dogman, the story, Tree Story House. When there's a series yes. of books, parents like, oh, yes, yay. Now I've got six books I can buy and they can read. Yes. So kudos to kudos to Pan McMillan because with their marketing department, because you mentioned the 13-story treehouse series. Okay. This the advertising and the marketing for this, I have, even though my kids are not at that level, I've been looking at these books out in the wild, out in our bookshops and that. And I'm like, what is the I don't understand what the they look like graphic novels or parents into this. Then I, I received one. And, and had a look at these books and I thought, oh my goodness, Elijah's going to love this. In the same way The Real Pigeon sort of appealed to him, it's a different, they're, they're th- they're different levels, different stories in these two. The writers have characterized themselves and they are the protagonists in this book and they've created this treehouse that's in each level of the treehouse is something crazy. So here is the 130-story treehouse is the edition that I got laser eyes and annoying flies. And from what I can gather is that each floor has a hilarious, uh, I don't know if it's an obstacle or if, if you know more about it, Marion, but so it, the, one of the floors will be laser eyes and another floor will be annoying flies and they'll kind of have these these different crazy things on each level of their treehouse, which is just hilarious and silly and fun. Yeah, and appeals to kids of that age, you know, when they get yeah. into the foundation phase, they're grade two, grade three, grade four. Um, and it's something that's fun. You can go and build a treehouse outside and pretend you are the one in there and play it out. <laughs> so yes. that's that's the beauty of these. I love it. I I don't remember having anything like that um, when when we were growing up. And I'm so glad that we've sort of started to mix the graphic novel medium and with with chapter books and I really think that there are so many resources available to us as parents now that, uh, you know, it it all depends. You need to kind of tap into what your kid is interested in. There is something for everyone. Speaking of, we have preteen and teen novels. I, I don't know if you would categorize it differently. You're moving past early reader you're moving part. This is where books, the, the pictures start to disappear and it's all about the words. I don't know. I was hard pressed to find anything in, at that age. Uh, so we're going on 9, 10, 11, 12. I was hard pressed to find anything to replace Harry Potter. I went, I would go into CNA and I'd be like, I love reading. I want to carry on. And there was this these Kelly um, model books I read everything in the series. There was Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley University and the Babysitter's Club. But there wasn't much. So there was a lot, but I feel like there's so much more. And it's, it's you don't have to slot into the Babysitter's Club or the horsey pony stories, which is what was available to me. 
there's there's something that fits every genre that that we have in adulthood now fantasy sci-fi adventure murder mystery romance and even non-fiction what are some do you have some favorites you've just come out of that phase with with your daughter with Emma what did what was she drawn to as a preteen well you know my son he liked the Harry Potters he liked the the series books whereas Emma funnily enough not so much and it's actually quite tricky to find something that interests them and it took quite a while Mm -hmm. for her so I'd say try this one try this one um and you just have to try for me buying a book is never a waste you can always donate it uh, you know, or gifted onto a friend. So she she wasn't the series girl. She liked all the different ones, like Wonder. And um, like I said, that my sister on a, lives on a mantelpiece, all the emotionally charged kind of books. That's what really appeals to her. Did Wonder become that net, uh, show? Right. Was it Netflix or Showmax? It became a me- Oh, my goodness. I, I, I cry just watching the trailer to that. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready. Yeah. How is your, so I mean, it's really setting your, your preteen in good stead for some, yeah, I think emotional development, right? And you know, your own child, like Charlene, you were saying how your boy is quite uh, empathetic. And so he's probably tapping to those kind of things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, your own child and Mm -hmm. that's what you've got to try and find for them. But the key to the chapter books later is having developed the love of reading earlier. So your hard work is happening when your child is small and all that reading to them, that's what's setting them up to try later to read by themselves and independently. Remember, there's a lot of competition. There's social media, there's gaming, there's, mm, uh, mm. there's a iPads lot. iPads of- and all sorts, yeah. 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 This is what frightens me, Marion. I speak at length about my child's love and affinity for gaming he follows in his dad's footsteps right there. Ray, my husband, is a gamer. All things tech, he loves. We are a family rooted in multimedia. I podcast. My husband is in television. There's no keeping uh, digital media away from our boys. And I just, it's a rule in my house where I've said to my husband, no day will go by where we don't read to these boys. Because as you say, there's mm. so much competition. I'm I'm yeah. I'm really terrified <laughs> that they won't love reading. Yeah, I mean the reality is that, like you were just saying a bit earlier, uh, you, there, there probably will be a stage where, especially the teenage preteen and teens, they might pull back a little bit from reading, and they won't have a stack of novels next to their bed. Firstly, school is extremely demanding. Mm. There's a lot of reading going on at school, uh, content-based reading, um, and I always try and encourage parents not to get too despondent because as long as you keep modeling the reading and you keep reading accessible in your home and you encourage it in different ways, they will probably find their way back to it. You know, I don't think beautiful books are ever going to go. You know, there was a point, there was a time when the whole social media and everything was really, you know, came out that was, okay, are we actually going to, are bookshops going to close? Mm. Um, we we were worried, you know, what's going to happen? Is everybody going to move on to Kindles or just just read the news on news channels and not get the newspaper and so forth? But it hasn't happened. Yes, a lot of magazines have gone digital and so on, but there is still this, look at all those beautiful books you've got, Yeah, you know? 
They and they're never... so treasured. I, I, <laughs> I love to have them close to me. <laughs> so as parents, we can do the best we can do. And children will ultimately make up their own mind. But I do think that they're as maybe as late teens or early 20s and they'll come back to it. Could the situation exist where you have a child who's good at reading? Hasn't is is perhaps the the anomaly because you say one in five children struggle to read, and perhaps you have you you luck out and you have a child, or you've been uh, you've you've gone through the reading journey with your child and got um, your child to crack the code. Okay, in the in the three to nine age group that you work with. Is it possible that they crack that code and then they still lose interest, like you're saying, in those preteen and early teen possible. years? Um, it's possible. Reading takes effort and time. Mm. So, again, like I say, we live in a very quick-paced world where kids especially want things instantaneously. So I just think, again, it's it's, it's being a good example, as you guys are doing, um, and, and just keep trying, keep buying the books, putting it there, um, you can incentivize if you want. It's it's just as long as it's around, that's sort of what the most we can do. Well, we got some great advice um, a couple of years back in our books episode from the lovely ladies at uh, Love Books in Malville mm. where they said, don't put your books in cupboards, which I was doing at the time. I had all Elijah's uh, bedtime reading stories in the cupboard next to and next to him for, for him to choose before bedtime. And I started putting them out where they were more accessible. And true as Bob, Elijah would pick up a book and just go and sit on the couch. And he doesn't do it as often, but it does, if you entice them in that way, it does happen at, at some points and it, it, depending on the child, obviously, as well. So that was very useful. And I'm assuming if you have the same with other books, you know, it doesn't have to stop at picture books. No, absolutely. And have books in the car. Um, mm. Have books anywhere in the house, especially the picture books in the early phases, in a crate in the playroom, mm. uh, on a low bookshelf in their bedroom, mm. in your in a little box in the, you know, I don't know, everywhere. Make it accessible, and, yeah. Because if, if, you know, if it's if you, you can't see it, it's out of your mind, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Same thing for books. So in the same way that we have so many amazing picture books to share with our listeners, we've also been gifted so many sort of preteen and teen novels that I can happily and um, sort of excitedly divide into the different genres, as I mentioned. Uh, One thing, we're talking about diversity in terms of representation, um, you know, cultural representation and race representation – but also we got to think about diversity in terms of gender and uh, sexuality and sexual interests, which uh, some parents might be opposed to this, but it does start from early. And I really love that you have writers such as Phil Stamper. So we were gifted this book called As Far As You'll Take Me. And you know what it led me to, guys? Bookstagrammers, so young um, adults and even some teens on Instagram who um, are gender diverse, either they're transgender or they are gay or they are lesbian and they have books that represent them. And Phil Stampers, as far as you'll take me, is one of them. It's labeled as a beautiful tribute to every queer kid who's ever had to leave their home in order to find one. 
which I love. I love that we are oh, holding gosh. our young people like this. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have anything like that when we were young, right? No, no, it no, was it definitely was really not. just it was a binary, and here we are starting to accept. I mean, these our children have a place, no matter who they are. Uh, they are embraced. Obviously, not everywhere in the world, but in the bookstagram world, if you're going to merge books and and social media, yeah. there's a place for them. And I love that authors are being, um, you know, are highlighting the different types of people we have in this world, making making it diverse. Something else I want to highlight: if you're into murder mystery or adventure. Marion, we're finally moving away from Nancy Drew and the Famous Five. Yes. Finally. <laughs> Not that I have anything <laughs> against it, but really I think we needed something new, right? Yeah. Pan Macmillan sent through this series of books, I think the first in the, the series, called Adventures on Trains. And um, also a murder mystery where a group, a, a couple of boys kind of solve the mystery and each mystery takes place on trains which is the first one takes place on the safari star luxurious steam train that will take them from pretoria south africa represent local to the stunning victoria falls and there's a murder or a, a kidnapping or some kind of crime that takes place on each one so if your kid if you think that your kid back in the day would have liked the nancy drew and the famous five but they're looking for something a little bit more modern um, and local, how and, cool! Well, I don't think all the books are local, but oh, one of them does okay. take place one in South Africa, is, which okay. I'm just super excited about. So, the Adventures on Train series by M.G. Leonard and Sam Sedgman, I think that these are amazing, so cool. You also have lots of um, fantasy books. There's a book called The Wizard in My Shed by Simon Farnaby. There's another one called How to Be a Hero, which deals with Vikings and dragons and the Valkyrie. You know your kid. You know what he'll be into. As I said, Elijah's very into sort of uh, uh, poo and and <laughs> fart jokes. Fart noises. Fart noises. So weird. <laughs> There's some bad. Maybe he'll grow out of it. He might. He might grow out of that. Oh, Maybe. Lord, yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Because he's got a little brother that's following in those footsteps. So please, can we just outgrow the the <laughs> as Ray calls it the dick and fart jokes? I can't with that. Um. I'm actually busy reading an adventure story, which seems to be, I don't know if you guys recall the series, a series of unfortunate events. Yes, Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events. I loved that Well, there you go, Charlene. There's a book series and it's incredible. And if you love the book series, then you'll also love this book by Hannah Took called The Unadoptables, kindly sent by Penguin. Guys, like I said, we're going to put everybody in touch with the new titles that we've received because they are stunning, stunning, stunning books that are coming out and they appeal to, they just kind of have their finger on the pulse when it comes to looking at our kids as individuals and not as sort of uh, people that fit into into the same, mold, the same yes. boxes. Yeah, you know, they're yes. not like little boxes on the hillside. They, they are individuals and I love that there's a book for each one of them. Before we close, I'd like to pick your brain, Marion. You mentioned nonfiction. You mentioned that nonfiction can be um, insightful. What about something like the Guinness World Records? Charlene, do you do you think Josh would would be interested in in something like that? 
that's definitely something that Josh, Josh loves learning facts about stuff. He watches like, um, uh, you know how kids would on iPad watch what it, all sorts of videos, Paw Patrol, and 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 he likes these. Um, there's an American, there's an Australian guy who goes out into the wild and he like catches like a, a spider and then he'll explain in his video, almost like Bear Grylls kind yeah. of thing. I just can't it's remember the, the guy's name now, but he literally just explores nature and teaches you facts about animals, plants, and the environment. Josh loves facts. Facts about anything he loves to learn about and and read about. So we, I actually, for his birthday, bought him two new books. Uh, Sam, I interestingly saw you bought him the same books. It's uh, Curious Questions About the Planet, Curious Questions About, it's a Curious Questions series of books. And I bought him those. He loves it. It's like, it's weird to me because to me, you want to read a bedtime story, quiet your mind, lull them off to sleep. But Josh wants facts. He wants to know interesting facts. Yeah, of those books, Elijah's very drawn to the digestive system, as you, as you can imagine. Back, <laughs> as you to, can imagine. back to the poo and the dick and fart jokes. And the fart <laughs> he's, very, he's quite fascinated by poo right now. Lord, help me. Marion, I want to ask you. So those are age-appropriate Nonfiction books. I mentioned the Guinness World Record books. Is it bad to be reading above the intellectual capacity as well, in addition to reading above their reading level? No. So, um, well, the nonfiction book is such a great option if your child shows an interest in it because of the value of the information that they are learning and taking in. So if, if they're drawn to facts, then go for it. All those amazing things. And they often get go through a little bit of a period of great inquisitiveness, you know, this, this four to seven, eight, great inquisitiveness. They want to know everything and anything. Why, 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 why? And that's where the nonfiction Guinness Book of Records or about snakes or the guy on the YouTube, that's where those questions can be answered or at least that appetite, you know, filled basically. But you can't really ever read above their intellect if your child is not interested, they will let you know before you've even got to page number two. They'll mm, tell you, Mom, mm, this, is, this is boring. This is true. And you yeah. just put that aside. You don't say, this is not boring. Now we're going to read this. You put Sit it down, aside. Have fun. Yeah, <laughs> you on. will be into this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I paid. No. But so, so it's child centered, remember? Mm. They must lead you as much as you are guiding them mm. with what they like to read. Uh, as long as you're trying to expose them to genres, uh, they're gonna they're gonna find what they like. Mm. That's the good thing. Well, I am so I'm really excited. Having you know, I reached out to publishers, going, we don't know what's what's new out there outside of the. And actually, I haven't stepped foot in a bookshop in ages, considering COVID. So. Mm. I just I'm I'm just ordering online from what I see, but I really wanted to hit up the publishers to see what's what's out there now. What are what are uh, children focused authors or authors of children's books? What are they focusing on? And to my absolute delight, like I say, there's something for everyone. And also, Marion, there's people like you who are there to help our children um, if they are struggling because we do want to open this world up to them. We want to keep it open to them. So if there is a parent who is seeing that their early reader is perhaps starting to struggle or wants to 
maybe hit you up for some resources on getting their three or four year old going with the phonetics as we discussed. How, what is the best way for parents to get hold of you? So you can browse my website, which is raisingreaders.co.za. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's raising underscore readers underscore SA. And you can email me, Marion at raisingreaders.co.za. And that's M-A-R-I-A-N. May and Marion. Don't forget it, guys. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm always open to offering advice. I feel that the best thing for parents to do is be informed mm. and don't think it's a big mystery, this reading. It's, it's, it's not a mystery. And like I said, please, if, if your child is showing signs of a struggle or things are coming up in the classroom, don't, don't wait. It's, it's just not worth it for you or your child. Get the help that they need. And on that note, I want to thank you, Marion, for joining us on The Great Equalizer. I'm so intrigued by this. I really am noticing more with my, just speaking about the uh, uh, early readers, the board books and the journey, how our children would journey. And now just because of the phase where my kids are at now, I am noticing well, not noticing after my discussion with Marion and all the, the insight that she's brought, I'm realizing as I'm sitting here that I'm going to have to change the way I encourage their reading, um, which is why I'm really eager to do. I'm, I don't know about you, Sam, but I want to speak to Marion about doing her workshop because I think it'll help me so much with how I read to my children and encourage them to read back to me especially with Josh going to grade R now because he's at that age yeah and Elijah too so and those games the phonetic games you can play to encourage learning to read phonetically and not Mm. to be learning at the other way around to be looking at letters and trying to piece them together rather Mm. crack that code by by learning the sounds and yeah I, I I'm keen I'm interested in this. I love I love looking at the amount of literature out there. And I was just applying. gonna say, looking at these books, I feel so inspired. Mm. And if I think about um some of the older, like young teenage ones, I want to I want Josh to want to pick up one of those books when he's a teenager. There's so, so many beautiful books that we covered here mm. in this discussion. I feel excited to want my kids to read them. Yeah, our kids can dip into the TGE library one day. I love it. Uh, have a have a TGE kids book club that they that they tap into. Yeah, so, that would be fun. How, cool, hey? how about we keep talking about this, Charlene? Yeah, no, listeners, please. We need you to tell us your thoughts. Engage with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Chat to us. Weigh in on this discussion. Um, whether you want to cry like Charlene sobbed today, or laugh <laughs> at Charlene for crying so badly, um, please DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast, or record one on your phone and hit us up over email info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Also, please feel free to tag us in your Instagram or Facebook posts. Guys, we love seeing what you are into, what you're looking at, what's uh, taking up real, uh, realty in your mind. Um, and we want to know what you want to chat about. We, we enjoy yeah. those messages where it's like, have you guys considered this? And then we're just like, you know, sometimes we have and sometimes we're working on an episode that considers this. And sometimes it's something we haven't thought about. And we... 
at really all. Really get yes. excited about that. Yeah. So please exactly. tag us. Also, and if, if there's us. a book on your radar that we haven't mentioned yet, or you think we need to be aware of or tell anyone, let us know. Um, your support in this regard, in any regard, your your interaction and engagement with us, it's so important. We say this every week, every like, every love, every comment, every share, every interaction with any of our listeners. It means the world to us. Um, so please keep it coming. And don't forget, please, guys, to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook or wherever you you are engaging with us. Please just give us a rating and a review and spread the word and hit that subscribe button so that when a new uh, episode comes out or even a bonus episode, you know because you're subscribed and you're a member of our tribe. Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we will be for you. And so, Charlene, I think that's it for this week. Until next time, keep, keep your, your mom, mom game strong. strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at and we'll get back to you.